Blog Talk Radio. Healthy and Tone Radio with your host, Darren Batman McDuck. And now, prepare to get fat. Hey, 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 what's cracking? Welcome back to another episode of Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio, sponsored by I'mTheFatMan.com. And my name is Darren McDuffie. I am your show host, also known as the Fat Man, because I help you keep perfectly healthy and toned. Tonight, we have a really good show for you. We'll be um, interviewing Matt Talford on his book, From Fear to Faith. show really hits home for me because, as you know, if you know my story, I lost my mom to cancer in 2000, 2005, breast cancer. And, um, again, it hits really home and really close for me. And this is a really good show, especially from someone who's actually gone through it and tell you what happened and how he actually uh, kind of turned the tide in his favor to to beat the C word. I won't use the full word. I want to just say the C word as he does in his book. But before we get Matt on, always remember to connect with me on social media so you know when the shows are coming on. You can connect with me on Facebook. On Facebook, it's facebook.com slash I'm the fat man. And then on Twitter, it's the fat underscore man. I'm also on on Pinterest as I'm the fat man one, the number one. And then you can also connect with me on YouTube. I have a YouTube channel where I do various videos. You can get clips from the shows. You can also get videos on everything from um, uh, coffee enemas, which we'll probably be talking about tonight, and other various stuff. I'm working on a video right now about aspartame and sucralose, which is two additives that are in food right now, and a lot of people are consuming these in diet sodas and don't know that they're doing that and how these things can be detrimental uh, to their health. So that is something that you really want to uh, check out and, again, connect with me on YouTube. So now that we got all the announcements out of the way, we're going to get Matt on. Matt Talford, welcome to Perfectly Healthy and Tone Radio. How are you tonight? I'm good, Darren. Thank you so much for having me on the show tonight. Yeah, cool, man. I I enjoyed the book because the book had me in some points really thinking about um, what I went through with my mom, but in also in some respects, and we'll talk about this tonight, it actually had me laughing as well about some things that um, I could definitely relate to that you were going through as you were going through your treatment and the whole ordeal. But your background is very, very interesting. I knew really nothing about you. When before I started reading the book, but share about share with us a little bit about your background because you have a really unique background. Well, um, I so my background, I'm, I'm, it's pretty diverse and it, it sort of uh, sort of comes full circle when you're talking about the subject matter tonight, the uh, the C word and what I went through in 2011. I uh, I actually professionally speaking, my I, my first job out of high school was an army medic. So I spent um, I spent three years on active duty in the in the United States Army as a as a medic attached to an infantry unit, and uh, when I got out of the army, I decided I wanted to at that time stay in the medical field. So I ended up working in the emergency room for four years after that. And uh, with all the things I saw in the emergency room, I just sort of got burned out with healthcare. So I I ended up switching gears to to uh, to information technology. And uh, that 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 was interesting too because that wasn't my first choice of of uh, post military careers. Actually, I initially wanted to be a teacher, but uh, through through circumstance, I ended up switching dropping the uh, the English route, which is sort of is funny in in, a, in, a, in another way too because I I was originally going to school to be an English major to teach English, and I end up some 20 years later writing a book. So that that sort of uh, that's sort of funny too when you go back and look at it. But yeah, I. Uh, I left the healthcare field in 1997 and and switched gears to to information technology, where I spent the, the last 16 years of my professional corporate career, and um, that 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 brought me to uh, hanging that all up and becoming an author. So, um, yeah, that's uh, so that that's pretty much my background. I'm I'm uh, I'm uh, just an old. Um, I consider myself still an army medic. I mean, once you once you get that training and you 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 live that life for 
for as long as I did. I did another five years after I got out of active duty. I did another five years in the reserves. So uh, once you once you live that life, you kind of always see yourself as a medic. So um, you always see yourself as trying to help people, and that that's still me. Yeah, yeah. You mentioned in the book that you had some early experiences with the C word. I know you you don't like to mention that in your book, so I'm not going to mention it on the interview. But what were your early experiences with that, with the different people? I think that maybe you, I, from the book you had someone in your family, and then there was another gentleman um, that you knew from your childhood that also um, went through uh, having the C word. But what were your what was your early experience with that? You know, I, it, it was it was one of those things, and that's sort of it, it, that's a great question, Darren. That's sort of how I opened up the book. It, it's one of those things where, when you're a kid, you you hear about, and I, it, it's tough for me to say. I, it, it's funny. I, I say the C word when it when it's applied to me, or if I'm using it in first person. But if I, if I'm speaking in third person, sometimes I'm I'm okay saying the word cancer. I I really don't like it, so I I, I say the C word a lot, but. I I saw a TV program when I was a kid where this guy, and I was just a kid just watching TV. I didn't know anything about anything. I just, but I see this guy grabbing at his back, and he's 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 doubled over in pain. He's grabbing his back, and I'm like, wow, he looks like he's really hurting. He goes to the doctor, and the doctor tells him they diagnose him with the C word, and um, I, I was just horrified when I saw that because I, I was a kid. I didn't know anything about it, and because I was an inquisitive kid who liked to read. I started looking up pictures in encyclopedias because I wanted to see what it looked like. And I just remember seeing the pictures. I mean, I can vividly see them now. I'm, I'm 43 and I'm uh, 42. And I still see these, these pictures in, in my head. And mm-hmm. I, when, I, when I saw that, it, it, it sort of, it just sort of put a, uh, an eerie type of feeling in, in my mind or, or in me when it, when it came to that. Now, it was just one of those things where I said, you know what, I, ho- I hope I never have to see that or deal with it. And then you see these commercials as you're growing up. You hear uh, talking about people getting lung cancer from smoking and all of these things and, you know, uh, liver cirrhosis and that degenerating into the C word from drinking uh, hard liquor and all this stuff for these years. So I just said to myself back then, you know what, I'm, I don't have to worry about that. I'm not going to get that because I'm, not, I'm never going to do any of those things if – you know, I was putting one, uh, one and one together and saying, okay, if, if this is what I would do to get it, then I won't do that. And, you know, I, I, I sort of went on with my life, but I had the, the older I got, the more and more I started seeing people with it. And, you know, in high school, that, that went from being a small kid to going to high school and seeing, seeing, a, seeing a guy who lived not far from me, actually lived down the street from me, who uh, um, ended up uh, passing away from it. And I just I saw these phys- uh, physical signs and, you know, you just look at people, and you, again, you don't know a whole lot about healthcare. I had an aunt who was a nurse at the time, but uh, mm-hmm. and she still is, in fact. But I mean, outside of her doing her day-to-day jobs in LPN, we didn't really talk about any major degenerative type of diseases. So I, I didn't, I wasn't able to really make that for uh, that that second person connection with someone I knew. But you start to see these people getting sick, and and you start to make mental notes and and just sort of, you know, making notes and and putting things tucking things away in your brain and say, ah, okay, this is what that person looked like, and then we find out later that they got diagnosed with something. So that's sort of how it went for me. Yeah. How much did you experience that when you um, – because my background is, is coming from pharmaceuticals, so I would always walk into ER and, you know, walk into a doctor's office, and you see different types of things. But you being an ER tech, how much were you exposed to cancer uh, well, the C word. I'm sorry, I mentioned that, but the C word. Yeah, no, you can take cancer. It, it, it doesn't bother me. If you, okay. uh, yeah, you can take cancer. It, it, again, it, 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 it bothers me when I hear somebody uh, diagnosed with it, or, or I, I, I never use it in, in, you know, in terms of me speaking about myself. But yeah, you feel free to say that. It doesn't bother me. Yeah, but, but how yeah, much no. So, so you, so, so to answer your question, uh, as far as the ER goes. The the most I would ever see is someone getting a small melanoma removed from, like I, I remember someone getting getting uh, something that looked like, it didn't look right. It looked like a you know and and at the time the the uh, the plastic surgeon that would come and do the surgery would would basically take a, a growth off someone's nose and then they they'd send it to the lab to be biopsied and you you may hear later that 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 was a you know that was a the doctor may say, well, you know, and because of the whole HIPAA thing, they don't really tell you anything about a patient, but they may hand around and say, well, you know, it kind of looks like cancer or whatever. So 
As far as working in the ER, I saw more of the typical emergency type of situations where you, you talk about heart disease and, you know, um, alcohol poisoning or someone being shot or stabbed or car accident, that sort of thing. I didn't see a whole lot with, with regards to, uh, to you know, uh, cancer patients or that sort of thing for the four years that I worked in the ER. Mm -hmm. Did that shape you in any way? Because I know um, there was something that I came across, this was maybe a couple of years back, and it said that, I, I can't remember the specific uh, statistic, but it said something to weigh the 70, 80% of medical doctors would refuse chemotherapy themselves. Did that in, in any way of working in the medical community shape you to say, hey, you know what, I'm not going to go the route that everybody goes when it comes to the treatment of uh, the C word? You know, as far as my history working in the ER, I, I can't say that that in particular did. But, however, I, I do, I'm, I'm, I'm friends, you know, when you're in the ER and you're working in the hospital, you, you sort of become friends with doctors that work in various different um, um, disciplines of, of medicine. And I have a couple of friends that I just sort of made mental notes, and this was even years before I was ever diagnosed with anything, but I noticed that they were, there were certain things that they wouldn't eat or drink. And this, this one particular doctor, I would ask this person, Oh, you know, uh, hey, we'd be on a tennis court or something. And I'd say, hey, I'm going in for a Powerade. Would you like me to bring you a Powerade? And they always refused it. And I said, well, what? I mean, okay, no, I got some water. And you, when you ask them, they're like, well, I don't drink anything with, you know, yellow number five in it or, or red number 40. or And and I'm like, really? And, oh, okay, you're a doctor. and You're not drinking this stuff. Why am I drinking it? You know, it's one of those things. So it. It, it, it becomes a moment of enlightenment for, for to a degree, and you look at it and you say, okay, she's not drinking that. And then you ask, and you're like, well, I just don't drink it because I don't. And, and then you, you sort of start to see the game, and you're like, okay, well, this person is a practicing physician, so they can't really give you any advice that, that isn't, you know, pharmaceutical-based, so to speak. And those were just, those were those were conclusions I came to myself just from doing the math. So I did see some of that. It wasn't directly related to the ER, but just knowing people that work in healthcare, when you start to see that there there are certain things that they don't get, don't engage in, and and you 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 see that hey, this person isn't doing this and they're not doing that. It just makes you wonder, and you're like, okay, if this person is a practicing physician, what do they know that they're not telling me? Yeah, I don't know if you and uh, your wife Joetta are like. My girlfriend and I, we go to the restaurant. We're like, well, what's in this? We're we're constantly working our waiter to death, asking them, like, what's in this? How did you make this? How did you prepare this? And even in my work environment, uh, people consider me very, very picky. And I'm like, I'm just, I just want to know what's going in my body. And when you go through right. these things that I know that you have, you start mm -hmm. really paying attention to what you're putting in your body, which brings me to a question of how you mentioned this in a book of how much your eating habits were shaped by your parents and the environment that you live in. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, that's, that's another great question. Um, you know, when you're a kid, you, you really don't, you just eat what's put in front of you. So you, mm -hmm. you, your, your eating habits are pretty much, it's, it's you, when you grow up and you leave from underneath your parents' wing, you're just going to continue eating the things that you ate at home and, the things that you consider to to be good or tasty at home, you you look for those things when you leave home because it, it's it's that connection back to home. Um, be, being in the military and 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 getting deployed overseas, you'd, you'd oftentimes get or someone would send a, a care package, which was a box that contained a bunch of goodies from the good old USA, and they'd have Twinkies in them and or I don't know if I can say the <laughs> the brand or whatever, but they'd have these snack cakes and and such in them that that had all of this stuff that I would never eat now, but, you know, you had all these different fats in it, and you thought it tasted good, and you eat that stuff now, and you're like, oh, it just tastes like someone took a grease gun and squirted it in my mouth or whatever. But you, 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 you make that connection because that reminds you of home. So you sort of carry those, those habits with you, and it's like you eat what you saw your parents eat, and, you know, I remember the first time I had hot sauce when I was a kid. Now I still do hot sauce. I mean, I get sparingly, but I still do hot sauce. But I remember mm -hmm. the first time that I had hot sauce. I, I I never had it, but I saw my grandfather's, uh, my grandfather and my uncles and dad all smothering their chicken and fish with hot sauce. So I'm like, oh, that looks cool. I want to, you want to do what you see the guys doing. 
So right. I'm eating hot sauce, and then you then you see him eating pork skins, and you're doing, hey, hey, get these pork skins, you get them plain, you dump a bunch of hot sauce in it, and shake the bag up, and you just you do what you saw your parents and the people before you doing, and you just think, okay, well, this is what I'm supposed to eat, this is what tastes good, and that 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 sort of shapes your 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 food choices and and just the, the, the your habits and. You know, uh, I remember years ago watching, um, we watched uh, a, a program called Healing Cancer, and that was the first time I'd ever been uh, exposed to uh, Dr. Gerson and the Gerson therapy, and his mm-hmm. daughter Charlotte was the one narrating much of the show, and she was the person that was in the, the video a lot. And I, she said something that sort of uh, stuck with me, and that was, you know, people talk about, well, you know, does cancer run in your family or does uh, heart disease or diabetes run in the family, and and she said, according to her father's research, that what ran in the family more so than these diseases were the, the foods and the habits. And so it's like, okay, well, if this person ate these things and lived this lifestyle, and then you eat these things and you live this lifestyle, and that that person got uh, stricken with a disease, you're probably going to get it too if you if you're living the same lifestyle and you basically have the same genetic makeup, and that. That that sort of rung a bell with me, and I, I sort of tucked that away and just kept that as useful information. Yeah, yeah, I tell people that all the time. They think things run in their family. It's really not that it runs in the family, more so than you are continuing the same things that your parents are continuing eating the same things as well. What other documentaries that you read? Because the documentaries that you um, viewed were, they hit home with me because I had already seen them. I, I remember the Gerson Miracle and you, you mentioned healing cancer, and I think that there, there was one more. Um, I think it was three that you mentioned. What else did you watch? I, I saw another one called The Beautiful Truth. Yeah. And that, yeah. that was a good compilation because it, it went into a little bit more detail about food and, and environment and such than, than even did healing cancer. Healing cancer, honestly, was, in my opinion, was kind of dry. I mean, I watched it because I'll watch nerdy stuff like that, but it was kind of dry. Mm-hmm. I thought the beautiful truth was a uh, uh, much easier to watch than than healing cancer, but it was that one. And then there was uh, the future of food, where they talk about how food today isn't what it was 50 years ago, and uh, all the genetically modified organisms and such that go into food today, and you know how our bodies really don't necessarily know what to do with them. So I'm I'm a lot like you, Darren. When I when I go to restaurants, I'll I'll ask them to. Uh, you know, look at I'll, I. I remember when I when I got out of the hospital um, after you know the the whole ordeal with the surgery and getting the tumor removed and everything was over, um, and I hadn't eaten for uh, I was in the hospital 13 days and hadn't eaten for 11. Um, so the last two days I, I got to eat as soon as I had some bowel activity again and such. But mm-hmm. I uh, I went to I remember going to, to uh, a a famous uh, coffee chain and. Um, I wanted to, uh, to 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 get one of the lattes that I'm that I was used to drinking, and you know, it, it dawned on me. I said, you know what? Let me let me just see. Can I see the bottle of that you guys use uh, for the syrup and everything? And for a long time, I just when I read the ingredients in the bottle, I said, you know what? Probably don't need to do this anymore. So I just, I mean, I I would still go and get a a latte or coffee or something, but I just sweeten it with a, a packet of honey or something. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm a lot like you now. When I go into a restaurant, I want to know exactly. What is in something? I'm like, okay, what where did this come from? Is this is this whole food, or or did this come in a bag? Was it processed? I mean, I I, I ask questions, so I'm a lot like you. Yeah, um, and as always, I do my when in doubt. I have the when in doubt method. When in doubt, order a salad because most of the time when I go into a restaurant, it's like, okay, let me see what I can't eat, and then I look down the uh, menu, and then I start making decisions for what I can't eat, and then you know that gives me to what I I can eat. But um, one thing that struck me when reading the book was that to me, and to me when I looked at the things that you went through before you were actually diagnosed, those things stuck out like early warning signs to me. Like you went through GERD, which was just, just you know, it's a digestive disorder. And um, something else that you um, went through as well, I can't remember right off the top of my head right now. But did you ever think back and said, hey, the signs were all there, but I just didn't pay attention or I didn't know enough to pay attention? You, you know what, that's a, that's a great question, Darren. Uh, honestly, I did not make that connection until I started writing the book. 
I really didn't. He, even even in the midst of going through the symptoms that I started experiencing in in twenty ten and and ultimately twenty eleven, I, I still did not make that connection I, until it was time for me to actually begin writing the book and writing out the laying out the book as far as what I wanted to, to the chapter headings to read like and what content I wanted to go into each chapter. When when I started. Uh, laying out the framework of the book and then started filling in the blanks, I made that connection and I said, wow, you know, this, 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 uh, what, what if this actually started brewing way earlier than 2010? And it just, it, 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 it's, it's interesting that you asked me that because I just, I did not make the connection. And I wonder how many people out there have, uh, I mean, everything, Oh, I shouldn't say everything, but a lot of these um, C-word conditions or, or or tumors or, you know, different various different cancers or whatever, they, they start in the abdominal cavity. And what's in your abdominal cavity? That's Most of it is your, your I mean, aside from your heart and, and your, 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 your blood vessels, most of it is digestive organs. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I have to wonder, I'm glad you asked that question because I have to wonder, how many people? I mean, it's not normal. I, you know, people. I, I look at some of these commercials now, these 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 pharmaceutical advertisements, and it it bothers me sometimes. I'm like, why? For so many years, I felt like it was normal to just eat and have um, heartburn after I'm done eating. Oh, okay. Well, I uh, I got heartburn because I ate this spicy food. So let me go and and get some pink bismuth, or let me go and get some chewable antacids or whatever, and just keep those in my pocket and. No, that's not normal. That's your body telling you, hey, you're doing something wrong. And I, I just, but, but so many of us think that that stuff is normal. And, and, and I'm so glad you asked that question because I'm like, what if that is the beginning beacon or that flashing strobe light saying, hey, warning, 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 you're, you're, you're starting to mess something, you're messing with something that, that was working okay. You know, it, 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 so much of it is, is what we eat. Yeah, I see some people in the switchboard. If you have a question, hit the number one. And I'll bring you on to ask Matt a question. Uh, and the number, again, if you're listening out there on a the computer and you want to call and ask a question, the number is 646-716-9371. And then when you come on, just hit the number one, and I'll see you in the queue, and I'll bring you on to ask a question. Some of you, I know some of you are bashful, but this is the only way you learn ask questions, especially when you have someone on who's kind of gone through this as well. But, Matt, your body, man, when I was looking at this, I was like, man, his body is talking to him. <laughs> but you don't. When you're in a situation, you really don't know, and you don't know because you you said like you went back when you started outlining the book. And as I was reading, I was like, okay, first GERD, then you went to the doctor, and your doctor said you were um, anemic, and they put you on the iron. And the whole time, I'm sitting there thinking that it's something digestive that is going on. And a lot of times. Um, most of the disease starts in the gut. You mentioned that it starts in the abdominal cavity where the immune system is actually um, located, but you didn't really make that connection. Now, let's go, let's fast forward to 2011. I believe that you, you were diagnosed uh, in January of 2011, if I'm not January mistaken. 2011, yes. Right. So you're diagnosed. What's going through your mind at that time? Because I, I know for me, if it, I was in your shoes, I probably would have been in shambles. But what went through your mind, and how did you kind of wrap your head around, okay, this is what I, I need to do next? And the reason that I'm asking is because what I find when people are faced with um, a disease such as the C word uh, or something that's life-threatening, their faith goes out the window. And what did you do to kind of corral everything back in and say, hey, you know what, this is what I'm going to do. This is what, this is how I'm going to get over the hump, so to speak. Um, you know, the first thing that went through my mind was I, I, I still remember the doctor's face when he when he told me, he said, you know, Mr. Talbot, I'm afraid you have seaweed cancer. And mm-hmm. I I remember his face, and he had a very grave look on his face, and it was almost one of, oh, boy, this is bad. And I, I said to myself at that point, okay, yeah, it's bad, but I'm here. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm up on my feet. I'm, I got my strength, even though my hemoglobin was low, I mean, way low. I just I felt like, okay, the first thing that went to my mind is, okay, this is not the end of me. 
that this is not the end of me. God, God didn't, God didn't, didn't give me this to, to send me home. I, I, I just never believed that. I felt like I'm supposed to do something with this, and and I felt like I felt like I was chosen for it. I mean, I, I, I come from a, a fairly large family. I have four brothers and and and, and a sister, and. I felt like, hey, you know what? If anybody had to get this, I'd rather be me than one of them. Because I felt like, and, and, and if my older brother is out there somewhere listening, he he might he might smack his teeth uh, when I say this, but I felt like I was the only one that could beat it. Now, um, he's another story, and I won't put his business out there, but he went through something as well uh, about a year after I did. Uh, and he's, he's fine. He's here today. He's fine. Thank God for that. But um, the thing is, I felt like, I have to do this so I can go and cut the path through the through through the thick underbrush and show them the way because if if it, if I didn't do this then they may not have a good outcome if God forbid they should have to come through it. So I didn't feel like it was the end of me. I felt like there's something I got to do with this and okay, what's next? That was the second thing I I, I said to myself. I didn't ask the doctor that because I already I, I kind of knew where they were going to go. I I I seen people, I had friends that had been diagnosed that weren't there anymore at that stage. And I said, okay, I kind of knew what, I had an idea of what was going to be offered to me, but I asked myself, okay, Matt, what is next? I treated it just like what I did in my professional job at the time, but being a, a professional troubleshooter, when you're presented with a problem, the first thing you start doing is gathering data and putting together a plan to resolve the problem and then, you know, try to figure out why it started in the first place so that your customer doesn't have that problem with their computer system or environment or server environment or network or whatever the the the, the, the piece of technology is at that time. So I said, you know what, Matt, we can do this. And I just felt like I, I'm going to do this. I have time. That is what I kept telling myself. I have time. I know people are going to push me and rush me. I've seen what the outcome is when people jump into something that they're not comfortable with and not ready for. So I, I, I just, Darren, I never, honestly, I never felt like it was the end of me, but I did have a little caution or, or, or I gave myself a caveat. I said, Matt, if you don't take your time and make the right decision, then this is January that you're getting diagnosed. Your family's going to be burying you in December. I told myself that. And, and I was prepared for that reality should it come to that. But I said, you know what? Now, now, now that I understand the worst that could happen, let me move toward the best outcome. And that was just yeah. that was the way I approached it. Cool. And and one of the things I remember thinking as I'm reading that part in the book about when you were diagnosed, I was thinking to myself, I'm like, dude, don't rush in the chemo. Don't do the chemo. And I'm cheering you on in my head. I'm like, is he not? He's he's not going to do it. He's not going to do it. And you waited. <laughs> you waited to make a a good decision. What I think happens with a lot of people is that as soon as that word hits them and they're diagnosed, then they get this fear inside them. And everybody's afraid. I've been afraid of many different things myself. But mm-hmm. I wanted to commend you on just waiting to kind of to, to wait till you have some clarification, till you have some clarity to where you're able to think, where you're not thinking in a fear state. I don't know how you kept calm, but it seems to me like you kept really calm. when, you, As you were explaining in the book, you were very calm. I don't know if that's from Army training or you just had enough faith to say, hey, I'm going to make it through this. What was your, your mental state during that time? Uh, you know, I, I, I really... I, I didn't. I, I didn't. My mental state was just one of focus. I just said, you know what? Try, try so, try hard to focus because, first of all, I didn't want to tell a bunch of people what, what was going on, and I, I, I'm just one of these people that some people call it superstition. I don't call it superstition at all, but I, I do believe that there's power in words. I do believe that, and I do believe that 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 we have the power to create with our tongues. I, I, I say that a lot. So, um, I mean, not just. Uh, God, God, God spoke the world into existence. So, um, and He gave us a portion of that power, so we can create our own realities with our mouths. And so, I don't. I I I felt like the tumor itself, and and the the bleeding, because that was the other problem. I mean, I, I tell people, you know, tumor aside. I mean, I, I thank God. That, first of all, let me say this. I thank God that the tumor was bleeding, because I mean, anybody that knows anything about the C word knows that a tumor. Uh, they, they they grow and thrive when they got uh, uh, blood supply, and that is how they steal uh, uh, life-giving blood from the organs around them. And people who never get 
anything treated any type of way or 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 they don't they don't know how to how to approach the situation they if if they don't die from the treatment then the disease eventually will get them if it continues to progress because it just robs the organs of blood and then he, and then they they eventually go into organ failure because the tumor the tumor is still non nutrition from the organs so mm-hmm. i said to myself you know what I, i'm glad that this tumor is bleeding because that's my body attacking it and saying hey you can't i can't let you post up in here but at the same time when you're bleeding let's call it what it is you're dying you you're slowly dying i mean i i could have my hemoglobin could have continued slipping south. I mean, I didn't, I didn't know why I was, why I wasn't, why I was weak. I didn't know why I couldn't uh, run, uh, run anymore. I mean, I, I went from running five, six, seven, eight miles to not being able to run a quarter without running out of gas. So I, I didn't know why that was happening at the time until, until I got that diagnosis. But the thing was, I just felt like, okay, um, you know, this, this, this situation is. I know what it is now. Now that I know what the problem is. Let me formulate a plan to attack it. I just, I don't never feel like, I mean, I, I talk about tennis a lot in the book, too, because tennis is, is another big part of my life, and I love playing tennis in a whole other topic, but I, I love it because there's so many life lessons on a tennis court, and every time you, you grab your racket and get out there, it's a different situation, and, you know, one day you could be dominating somebody, one day you could be down. But it, it's it, the beauty of tennis is, unlike your basketball and your football, where when the clock strikes zero, the game's over, tennis, it's not, you, you could be down a set, and 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 love forty and at five zero and and you can still come back and win that match because it's not over it's not over until the last ball bounces a second time or hits the net or goes out or whatever so I I, I put it in tennis terms in a sense too and I said you know what yeah I'm down but I've been down before in matches this is just another one I got to figure out a way to come back and so I I, I stayed calm because I, I treated it like it was an enemy that needed to be attacked that is that is honestly how I kept my cool I said. I just chose to look at it like it was an enemy, and, and, and I'm a general in combat, and I'm like, okay, uh, we're down right now, but let's figure this out. We can do this. We can come back. So that, that was I, – I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't lose my cool, really, and feel any emotion about the whole thing until uh, – not, not counting times in the, that you probably read in the book where I was in excruciating pain, not counting that. But as far as feeling emotion and losing it a little bit, I didn't, I didn't feel those things until it was time for me to write the book because then – I got to see my life from a spectator standpoint, and when you're in it, you can, sometimes you can't see. It's like it's like being in a fight. It's like being in combat. You just know, hey, you know what? We gotta we gotta get out of this situation. So you don't have time to feel any emotion, really. Um, so I didn't I didn't really feel anything until it was over. I just I, I don't know. I just I don't know. I just didn't feel anything until until all was said and done, and it was time for me to go back and 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 just sort of look at it again. Yeah. Yeah, man, you had a cool head. I know it's a lot of people who they don't have that, you know, that cool head, but you had a real cool head. And I believe that that's what made you prevail the way that you did. Um, You spoke about words have power, and there's something that you did that I'm very big on. I think it's very unique, and a lot of people don't know this, and I wanted you to share it. Um, You started cutting things off from a negative standpoint. I believe that you said in the book that you – were um, really guarding the things that went into you from a spiritual standpoint. You started to not watch programs unless there were happy programs. Um, yeah, talk a little bit about that because I, I think that's very big that you have to cut off that negativity, especially when you're going through, um, a, you know, something that it's life-threatening. Right, right. Thank you. Yeah, that's uh, if, if I'm doing this from memory, that's Chapter 8 in the book. But I talk about the five entry points into man there, there's five entry points into man there, there's the three of them are physical and two are spiritual and so when it comes to trying to heal you have to understand what those five points are the three physical are your skin your mouth and your nose so your nose you you, you breathe stuff in and you that that one is probably the trickiest of the three physical to guard i mean sometimes you have no control over what you inhale you might you might be stuck in traffic or you might be in California where the smog is really bad and you know you're outside or whatever and that that you can you can only control that to a degree but you can control what you put into your mouth eating or drinking and you can control what you put onto your skin and a lot of people don't don't realize they treat the skin like it's benign but your skin is an organ and mm-hmm. the thing is when you put things on your skin they absorb and get they they go right into your body so your your skin is your skin is 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 responsible for Bringing, you, you can bring moisture into your body through your skin, you can, and you also uh, excrete 
toxins out your body through your skin. So I knew that that was an entry point that I needed to guard. So I said, you know what, let me make sure I'm not, I, I got serious with it. I said, you know, I'm not wearing any uh, uh, clothing that has dye in it or I just, now that, that, that some would call that extreme. And, and I mean, if I, if I had anything that was dyed, for example, if I had a blue or red shirt, I still wore it. But my point was I wasn't going to just go and buy something off the rack and put it on like I used to. And I would go and buy things out of the store sometimes and put them on, and my skin break out. My wife's like, what's wrong with your skin? Why did your skin break out? I don't know. I just bought this shirt, and, and it, 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 it was my skin probably having a reaction to the dye. So I'm thinking, what chemicals are in this shirt that I just bring into my body, and my body's now inflamed? So, mm-hmm. I, and the same thing with lotions, different lotions and things that people put on. I mean, you know, uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, when you get out of the showers, depending on how hard your water is, you you gonna put some lotion on, and you're gonna be ashy when you go out. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> the thing is, and so a lot of us just go and we go buy any run-of-the-mill lotion that's cheap or whatever, whatever's on sale, and we don't even look at the ingredients that are in it. And I'm like, I'm not putting anything that's not natural on my body anymore. So all I'd use was plant-based oils at that point. And so I guarded the skin. Uh, I, I I tried to guard, you know, to the to the, the best that I could, uh, to the to the best of my ability, what I breathed in. I, I didn't go running out up and down the street where I'm jogging and and I'm inhaling car exhaust during morning rush hour. I just I'm not doing that. And and uh, the other thing is 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 my mouth. I said okay, I can I can pretty much control what I put in my mouth. But now let's get on to the two tricky ones. Those are the three spirit, uh, physical, your skin, your nose, your mouth. The two tricky ones are the spiritual, your eyes and your ears. Those mm-hmm. are entry points, and people don't realize that you take, in, you, t- you take in stuff through your eyes and your ears, and people just treat those like, oh, okay, well, I heard this, or I see that. But you can look at things that stress you out. You can hear conversation as negative that causes your body stress. And, 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 and when you're trying to heal, you don't need that stress. So I said, you know what? I am going to box out anybody that's around me talking. If it's negative conversation, I don't want to hear it. Um, if, it's a, if it's a video game that's so violent that I used to love that it's vexing me now to play it, I'm not, I'm not playing Call of Duty right now. I love it. <laughs> I loved it. But right now it's, it's, it's too stressful to look around this corner and see who's trying to shoot at me. So I'm not playing Call of Duty right now. I'm trying to heal. I'll play it later when I'm over the hump. But right now I'm trying to heal. And, 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 you know, I, 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 one of my cousins, he and I used to go at each other with a, with a boxing game on Xbox. And it, it was so brutal that we felt like we were in a real boxing match by the time it was over. I said, look, man, I can't play that. And, and some of my boys, they said, hey, man, you know, this new, this new show is on. Uh, it's on Netflix, man. Everybody's watching it. Why don't you get on it? I watched the pilot episode. I, I watched 10 minutes of the pilot episode and said, I can't look at it, man. It's too violent. They said, what, are you soft now? And I said, no, man, listen. I'm trying to heal my body. I do not need to take in anything. And so that, those, are the, those are the five entry points that people need to guard, not only when you're heal, trying to heal, but you can, you can do some preventative, some preventative maintenance on your body by, by guarding those five entry points. Yeah, man, I think a lot of people make themselves sick because there is a, a bunch of negativity. And you talk a lot of it about this in your book about kind of morphing out of the corporate world and, and that, that high level of stress. And there's a lot of people out there that hate their jobs and don't really realize that that stress that they're building up by doing something they don't really like day, daily adds up. And it, sometimes it yes. adds up into you being sick. And a lot of people have no idea that they're getting sick by going to a job that they don't you know, they don't really care for. Um, let's go back to before you were diagnosed, the camera pill incident. I laughed at that incident just simply because I knew where you were coming from with the whole macho thing and not wanting to cry because I went through the same thing when my mother passed away. I just, I didn't want to cry. I didn't want anyone to see me cry. But mm-hmm. I realized that that was very, very foolish. You know, we men have this thing between us where we, we're, you know, no one is supposed to see us cry, and we are, you know, when we are in pain, and we think that we shouldn't cry. But um, take us back to the camera pill incident because I, that was one of the things that I really related to to when you went through that. Well, it it's it, 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 it is funny looking back at it because. Uh, Everybody knows me. They they're like, yeah, man, Matt's Mister Whatever, or he's you know, um, especially the women in my family. They 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 pick at me sometimes. They're like, he's always grumbling, roo, 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 whatever. And I, it's funny to hear people imitate you or whatever. But the thing was, I again, growing up in a household with, uh, with 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 four brothers, and you know, my dad, he was he was a strong alpha male, and my uncle and my grandfather. These guys, the the, the men in my family were. 
I, I hate to admit it, but I mean, on, on the air, but they were swashbucklers. I mean, they, you know, they, 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 they went out on Friday night. They, they hung out with the boys. They joined the basketball court playing. Uh, somebody said something out of the way to them. They, 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 they were, they went to the fisticuffs and, you know, mm-hmm. they, they drank that hard liquor and, you know, they, they love the ladies. I hate to admit that. I mean, you know, to the to the to the to the emotional detriment of of my mom and aunts in in, in some cases. But uh, these these guys were swashbucklers, and you know, back in the seventies. I mean, this this is this this was the era where you know your parents might be either teenage or early twenties. So it, it was with 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 my parents being uh you know my dad being you know, early, early 20s when they were raising me. I was born, I think I was, they were teenagers when I was born. And, you know, so with them raising me in their early 20s, they're still basically kids themselves. So you got your uncles and dads. They, these guys are hard. So they, they're teaching you, hey, hey, boy. And, and then growing up in New York, too, hey, you don't you let somebody see you cry, you know. If you mm-hmm. they, they, if they think you're a punk, they're going to run over you in the street. So, you know, you, you, you're raised to be hard. And, and and only show your hard side when you're out in public. If you got to cry, you go somewhere and buy yourself, close your room door or whatever, go in the corner crying and wipe your face and come out and look natural. That's what they used right. to say to us. So you, you grow up with that. And here I was in the most excruciating pain I ever had in my life. And I, I, I got these tears coming out of my eyes. And I, looking back, I, I think it was just a physical response. Uh, I think it was more physical than emotional in the beginning. But you know, I I got a camera pill stuck in 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 the middle of my intestine, and it's you know peristalsis or the 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 movement of the 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 intestines to to push food and and nutrients through all the way out to the end. This is trying this this process is trying to push a camera pill through uh, this 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 enclosed space. That I mean, this pill is the size of a maybe maybe two eight Motrin eight hundreds uh, mashed together. And it was trying to go through a, a, a hole that was no bigger than the opening of a straw, so it, it 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 was a lot of pain, and I just I couldn't I couldn't make myself stand up straight, and you know I was always taught to to walk high with your your chin up and your chest down, and here I was bent over L shaped walking into the clinic with my wife helping me, and that was not the image of masculinity that I had in my head. So right, I, I lost it. I started crying. I just couldn't. <laughs> And you got guys sitting in the. Uh, I remember walking into the GI office that day. You had guys in the uh, waiting area, and they're looking at me, and I'm looking at them like, "Don't look at me!" And I'm just, <laughs> I just lost it. I just I, because that was that was me at my weakest moment, and I and, and I had so many things running through my head. And I'm like, you know, man, if I walk out in the parking lot right now, and uh, somebody says, you know, somebody tried to jump out and take my wife's pocketbook or something. I, I'm in no position to defend my own wife. It just it didn't make me feel good. Yeah, man. So. I, I mean, I wasn't laughing at you. I just, it related to me so well because I remember going through that exact same situation at the end of my mom's funeral. I'm like, I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to cry. I'm not going to cry. And then all of a sudden, just something just came over me, and I just broke down. I couldn't I couldn't stop it. But, um Let's. I had a question for you. Jennifer had a question for you. She, um, you know, put in the Facebook page, and she said about sugar. I know that you, being the astute guy you are, you know that sugar feeds feeds the c word. And yes. her specific question was, you decided to give up sugar, <clears throat> but did you give up all sugars? I'm actually paraphrasing that, but did you give up all sugars, including fruit sugars as well? Because there's a lot of things out of there out there now that's saying that. Any kind of sugar, whether it's processed sugar, <clears throat> excuse me, sucrose or anything like that, and fruit sugar, did you give up all sugars when you found out you were diagnosed? Well, so to answer that question, I will say, to be blunt, no. But uh, I only say no from the standpoint of I didn't give up fruit sugar. Now, when I when I say I gave up sugar, I didn't eat any candy. I didn't eat any uh, – I had a Love Jones with cake. I didn't eat any cake. I didn't eat any pies. Any of the desserts, uh, ice cream, any of that stuff that I used to eat, I didn't eat. I didn't put any sweetener in any any tea or anything. Every everything went bland. Now I did still have fruit, but that's because I was doing the Martha's Vineyard uh, 21 day detox. And there's uh, uh, I, I because I didn't order the kit from them at the time that I was uh, cleaning myself out. I just decided I would do the things myself at home. So I I, I actually uh, juiced fruits that were. Uh, uh, I call cancer lethal. You know, you and anything that had these powerful phytonutrients in it that destroyed, uh, you know, cancer cells at the base level. I wanted it, so 
I didn't. I'd, I'd read a lot about uh, uh, Concord grapes and uh, uh, blueberries and 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 the compounds in blueberries and and actually in, in watching the uh, the the not the Gerson miracle but uh, healing cancer and the beautiful truth. You you saw that at these uh, cancer treatment hospitals in in uh, the south of the border, they would give uh, people uh, up to eight times a day. You'd see them drinking uh, juiced uh, carrots and apples. So I'm like, okay, I didn't, I didn't give up anything that, any fruit that had enzymes in it, or actually, I ate pineapple. Uh, and it, this was me just throwing every weapon I could at the situation. I, I know that pineapple. We learned this in uh, when I was on a business trip in Hawaii one year. We actually had some time. We went to the Dole Plantation, and as they're giving you this, this, um, uh, this tour of the uh, plantation, they're, they're talking to you about the different uh, properties of, of. Of pineapple, and one of the things that I remembered was that they said that pineapple has one of the most potent uh, uh, um, enzymes that, that breaks down protein. So I said, okay, well, if tumors, uh, if, if, if tumors are protected, or if cancer cells that are, you know, basically what tumors are um, in, in, in a in a later stage are are these cancer cells that are protected by these these stiff walls of protein, then maybe if I eat enough pineapple, the, the, the enzymes in this pineapple, and this, with this being in my digestive tract, maybe the enzymes in this pineapple can get down in here and, and eat away at the protein that's protecting these, these seaward cells so that, so that my body and my immune system can get in there and attack them. So I was just I was looking for any avenue in to, to, to attack and destroy the enemy. So I didn't, so to answer her question, I, when, I, when I said I gave up sugar, I gave up processed sugars and mm-hmm. added sugars and sugar additives, that sort of thing. But I didn't, I didn't give up fruit because I know that there are a lot of fruits out there that are uh, lemons and things that are good at alkali, uh, alkalizing your body and such. So I didn't completely give up uh, uh, sugar. If, if, she's, if she's talking about fruits, then no, I, I continue with fruit. But I didn't do any, uh, any, any type of dessert or, or what we know as sugar today when we're talking about processed sugars. Yeah, I wasn't familiar with that that um, the Martha Vineyard's detox, but um, I looked it up from your book, and actually, I want to see if I can't reach out to. Uh, I can't even remember her name, but I know she's a naturopath and a registered nurse as well, and see if I can't get. Yes, uh, Doctor Ronnie Deleuze. Yeah, yeah, Ronnie Deleuze. Okay, yeah, um, I'm gonna see if I can't reach out to her and, and get her on here in um, in the future, but. What were you mentioned? Juicing was one of your regimens. What else did you do? Because I saw you uh, with a picture in the back of the book doing some other things as well uh, in regards to really getting your body primed to to, to fight. So what 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 did your other regimen include? Uh, okay, so one of the big things I did. I so here 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 here's I I I, I wanted to be creative and clever. And uh, it, you know, in the book, I talk I talk about how I, I looked at the uh, option of of going uh, down to Mexico and maybe checking into one of those uh, you know uh, alternative cancer hospitals or whatever. And uh, when, with that, with 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 time not being that big a luxury to me, I said, okay, I got to figure out. I didn't have a passport at the time, so I said, you know, I got to figure out a way to to. to Whatever they're doing, and that's, that goes back to again, you know, me being raised by my dad. My dad always said, "Son, you know, you don't." When I was a teenager, and he got us, he got me my first used car. He was like, "Son, look, let me tell you something. You're gonna learn how to do certain things on this car because if you you're gonna go broke always taking this car to the to the shop." And he, he taught me how to change the oil. He taught me how to how to change the brake pads on it. He taught me how to change the tire, how to change the spark plugs, how to gap spark plugs. All of these things, uh, you know, nothing to. He told me. He said, "Son, if you got the right tools, you can, you can, you can do any job if you got the tools and you know what you're doing." So that that came back to me, and I said, "Okay, what are they doing at this at this hospital down in Mexico that I can't do at home?" And so I looked at everything they did. They were doing coffee enemas. Uh, they were doing heat therapy. They were doing oxygen therapy. So these are all things I said, "Okay, let me find a way. How can I do this here without spending a lot of money?" And and so I, I went and I, I did the I did the coffee enema. I looked up how to do it. And uh, mm-hmm. I went. I went and saw a uh, a, a hydrocolonic uh, specialist, and then I did some colon hydrotherapy to make sure I cleaned my colon out. And at that point, I, my whole thing was if I clean my body out, then and, and 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 just to keep in mind, Darren, I was still in the mindset that I may ultimately end up having to have surgery. So if I have to have surgery, I need my body to be clean. And I talk about why in the book. There, I said, you know, 
I just felt like, hey, one of the reasons why I was hesitant with surgery was because of the old wives' tale that says, and, you, and, and we've all seen it, you know, it just seems like when someone gets diagnosed with the C word and they go in and do surgery, it just seems like they go downhill after the surgery. And I said, well, I don't want that to be my end, so let me see if I can't learn why people, if I can't figure out why people go downhill after surgery. Because if I have to have surgery, I need to put myself in the best possible uh, uh, situation or best, give myself the best possible, best case scenario to where I can recover, and and our best chance to recover, I should say. And and so I looked, and, and it just seemed like all the research I did suggested that because the immune system is suspended when you do abdominal surgery for however long it takes it to wake back up, that I said to myself, okay, immune system, immune system. If most of the immune system lies in the gut, according to this particular paper I was reading on the Internet, then if they're going to work on my gut and then my immune system is going to go to sleep, then if I got any, if I got stuff all over my body going on everywhere, if there's no immune system to check it, then it makes it makes sense. No wonder the stuff spreads when people go and have surgery. So if my body's already in a dirty state, I need to clean my body out so that I don't have uh, my immune system can go and say, okay, well now I'm not constantly repairing damage from all of this trash he's got in his body. Now that his body's clean, I can go and work on his enemy now. And that way, if I have to go to sleep, I don't have to worry about trash in my body causing further damage while there's no immune system to check it. So that's why I started cleaning out. And I said, okay, let me let me do this liver. I, I learned how, how coffee enemas positively affect the liver and how they, they, they cause your liver to release uh, glutathione, which is uh, a powerful antioxidant that your body produces in the liver. So I said, let me go and do this. Let me, and, and, and so I did the coffee enemas. I, did the, I didn't have an oxygen chamber, so I said, okay, well, what can I, how can I get oxygen now? And I'm, 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 I'm in the store one day, not even looking for anything oxygen-related, and it jumps out like a blaring light. It's like God pointed me and said, hey, look, right there. And I see, I see this uh, product called uh, 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 cell food. And I said, okay, well, I don't just blindly buy stuff. I went home, looked, oh, I got my smartphone in the store, I looked it up, and I started reading some, some testimonials and such, and I said, oh, okay, so this, this delivers oxygen at the cellular level. If I just put a few of these drops in my water or whatever, okay, well, let me get some of that. And I just, I, I was willing to do anything that I needed to do to, to, to help my body, and I said, I can't get down to Mexico, let me find out what they do there. So the heat therapy, I didn't, I, I, I had a Y membership, I, I went to the sauna, I said, okay, I'll go spend... 15 minutes in the sauna every day, and, you know, uh, when, I'm, when I'm driving back, I'll throw, uh, I, I, I was throwing a bunch of clothes on and driving down the highway. I'd, I'd just go somewhere that I knew it was going to take me 30 minutes to get there and 30 minutes back, and I would sit in my car with the heat turned all the way up and, and uh, uh, five layers of clothes on just so I can heat up my body. And just I said, okay, if, if, if the cancer cells don't like heat, then I'm going to burn you out. I just... I went into fight mode. I was like in 24-7, 365, I'm going to fight. And that's that's just where I was. Yeah. So yeah, those, are, those are some of the things I did. I just I did the the uh, wow. I just I did so much. I mean, what else did I do? I did I did uh, I was doing okay. So they talked about vitamin C uh, infusions. I said okay. Well, there's nobody mm-hmm. I can get a vitamin C infusion around here. So let me let me just uh, I'll do my own vitamin C. And I, I I know that your body can only use uh, so much oral vitamin C before it says okay. Well, I'm I'm just releasing the rest of this. It doesn't. It, it can't can't do anything. So, but I I read in a uh, a weightlifting journal that uh, a lot of the weightlifters when they when they're doing vitamin B shots, they'll do them underneath the tongue. Like they'll do this little, they'll squirt vitamin P vitamin B complex or whatever under their tongue in liquid format and hold it under there because doing something sublingually uh, puts it directly into the bloodstream. Just just the same as doing uh, enemas, the same thing. It puts it directly into the bloodstream. So I said, okay, well let me get clever here. And I found this 1,000-milligram uh, 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 vitamin C powder, and after a while it burned a little bit, but I said, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep doing this sublingually. and just So I would do that. I'd do sublingual, one gram of vitamin C sublingually once an hour for six, seven, eight hours a day. I was just going at it. I did, it became my full-time job. I said, I'm, I'm going to get my body right, and I'm going to do this, and this is not going to be the end of me. I'm going to tell somebody about this one day. Yeah, I saw your video tonight. Your video it looks like you've... You know, there it, it comes a time when your, your your body breaks down and then it builds back up, and it looks like you built yourself back up the uh, the right way. And um, the coffee enemas, man, I do a coffee enema every Saturday. I would advise people out there to stop being afraid of your body. I know sometimes we're afraid to stick things inside of us or whatever, but I accredit that to a lot of things, and I do one every Saturday. If I could do more of them, 
I do more of them, but I do one every Saturday just as you know, just for maintenance. Um, I know we're getting pressed for time, but my last question for you is, what's your diet looking like now? You went through that process of quitting eating Captain Crunch and Fruit Loops, which I pro- I did myself when I was younger, <laughs> and you kind of got into that adult. The adult diet is what I call it. What's your what's a typical day looks like for your diet right now, Matt? You know, it, it, to be honest with you, I, I I have to be completely honest. It was a lot better, um, probably the first two years after I got out of the hospital, and uh, you know, just to, again dealing with. And this is one of the reasons why I left my corporate job. You, you get into these corporate stresses, and I'm wanting to jump through hoop. You get you to jump through hoops and such, and you you start you start slipping back into some old habits because you. You're, you're just out doing stuff all the time, and and yeah, I, I've slipped here and there, but for the most part, I've, I've pretty much stayed true to what I was doing in 2011, uh, right after I got diagnosed. And I knew that I would need some sort of maintenance, something I could continue on after everything was all said and done. So, I mean, by faith, I was already seeing past uh, that that whole situation. I said I need something to continue to sustain me beyond this. So I adopted the blood type diet in, in 2011, and I, and I still follow that pretty religiously. So uh, a typical day for me is it, I, I kind of let my body tell me. I, I, what I do is uh, if I know I'm going to – I'll go heavy on carbs if I know I'm going to be cutting the yard or if I know I'm going to be playing tennis or something, I might grab a sweet potato and, uh, and uh, boil that and then bake it in advance and just do uh, maybe do some olive oil on it or something and, uh, you know, uh, a little sea salt or something like that. And uh, I'll grab a salad, and you know, if 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 maybe I'm done working out or something, I'll grab some protein. I might grab uh, I might grab some lamb or some some turkey or something like that, and and uh, or I'll do a stir fry. I'll get some fresh uh, kale or and broccoli and cauliflower and that sort of thing, and uh, just dice some carrots up, and I'll throw that into uh, into a wok with uh, what I'm telling my recipes now. But uh, I'll mix that with a little bit of uh, olive oil, and I don't heat it up high because I know olive oil doesn't have a high smoke point. And you don't want to heat it up too high, but I'll I'll mix that with a little olive oil, maybe a little white wine, and throw some garlic in there, chop some onions. I I I, I really thrive on fresh vegetables and 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 uh, you know grain. I've, I'll I'll do some rice every now and then. I'll do some black rice and some brown rice, and I'll mix that up with different dishes and such. But as far as the 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 way I used to eat the the going to the the going out with the fellows and grabbing twenty hot wings and and getting a, a big giant basket of fries and all of that and and drinking three or four Pepsis, and I, I don't eat that stuff anymore. I, 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 I listen to my body, and, and for the most part, if, if uh, I try to drink plenty of water. In fact, this is an ongoing process for me. I'm, I'm learning that as I get older, uh, I'm, I'm seeing the value of drinking water. I, I try to drink 100 ounces of water every day because I'm seeing the value where, you know, if I'm sore or stiff going up the stairs, if I get enough water, that, that water eventually works its way into my joints, and it really does a great job lubricating. I'm like, whoa, my knees don't hurt going up the stairs. So, I'm I'm really really cognizant of of what I put into my body and um I would be lying if if I said I didn't slip here and there but uh uh for the most part I am I'm, I'm I know how I know how to clean my body out so when I when I feel like I I I I use the LL Cool J method I remember one year years ago he said hey I I I I'm disciplined with what I eat for 6 days a week and then on on uh maybe on Sunday I might have a treat or something like that he does and I, so I'm, 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 I'm trying, I'm trying to find my rhythm now because I, I'll be honest with you, I was, I was on a mission, and uh, as soon as I got out of the hospital and, and got done with my recovery, it took about eight weeks. Uh, when I got back to work, the, the, the stresses, it was light, and it started building up and building up and building up again. And, and people, that stress is a real thing. If, if you, if you hate your job, please go find something else to do. Go mm-hmm. find something that you love because it, it, this, the stress. I tell people. They say, Matt, how do you think this whole thing happened with you getting the C-word? I said, years of bad eating laid the, laid the firewood and stress lit the match. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're exactly right. And the, you mentioned this in the book as well. And um, uh, I've always said this, the workplace is the place of diet fails. Because when you're in the workplace, you get stressed, you reach for what? Donuts, bagels, mm-hmm. <laughs> pastries. Because I know yes. I used to be like that, cookies, and, and I'm slumped over in my cubicle wondering why the heck I can't stay awake when minutes mm-hmm. ago I just grabbed a, a donut or uh, one of those gigantic muffins they used to have in the meeting hall after when we were in, sitting in meetings. I would go and grab one of those and, and, and chunk it down and then realize 
hey, I'm doing something to myself and why I couldn't stay awake and why I was gaining weight. But um, the workplace is probably the biggest stress place, and when we stress out, we want to reach for carbs. That's the main thing that we mm-hmm. want to reach for. Yeah. So, man, I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the book. The book is on Amazon. You can uh, order in paperback and Kindle. I actually got a copy from you with a great message in there. I really thank you for that message as well because sometimes you really don't feel like people are appreciating you. But, <laughs> but I, love, I love getting this message across, and I just love getting out there to educate people because I I feel that a lot of people just deserve to be healthy and there's a lot of conflicting messages out there today. But if you get the message and they resonate with you, then you know, you're going to be clear and you're going to start to move forward on, on what you're doing. Um you have a website. What's your website address, Matt? My website is www.mdtalford.com. That's T A L F O R D so it's uh, mdtalford.com. And uh, if you want to uh, reach out and just throw me a question or something, you can also like me on, on – uh, you can like my author page, Matt D. Talford, on Facebook. And, and just I, – I love getting questions because I, I love to help people. So, um, And, Darren, there's uh, one, other, one other place you can find the book. I, I know a lot of people out there have iPads and like reading books on their iPad. We're also right. available in the iBooks store as well. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, and congratulations. I see um, Joetta putting out stuff on Facebook about some awards that you won. Congratulations on that as well. Thank you so much. Yeah, man. Appreciate it, Matt. Um, anything happens in the future, man, keep in touch. We'd love to have you back on, and I really appreciate your time tonight and you telling your story because anytime someone can go through some something and live to be on the other side, hey, man, that's a big, big thing, and you did the right thing with doing your research and being, you know, dotting your I's and crossing your T's with everything that you do. So I really thank you for doing that and being one of those people that didn't accept the diagnosis. So thank you. Thank you, Darren. And, Darren, if I could leave one final thought uh, for anybody out there listening. Listen, what the the type of uh, C word that I was diagnosed with is also known as one of the most rare types out there. In fact, it's so rare they don't have – a protocol specifically for small bowel cancer. So uh, I had one of the most rare forms out there, and it's, it's, it's considered to be very lethal. And here I am today, four years later, thank God. So I, I say that to say, listen, I, I, I pray that nobody out there is ever diagnosed with any form of it. But if you are, I, I want you to just look at, at, at my account and see that, hey, you know what, here's a guy that had something that was that maybe was even more rare than what, I have or whatever, whatever the case might be, and he survived it. So my my whole purpose for writing that was to say, hey, you know what? Years ago when they said no one in track and field would ever break the 10-second barrier for the 100 meters, and then as soon as somebody ran 100 in under 10 seconds, everybody started doing it. I want people to realize you can do this, and, 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 and a cancer diagnosis is not a death sentence. So that's all. that's the only thought I wanted to leave people with. Yeah, man. Yeah, and I forgot to ask you what you were diagnosed with. I was enjoying the conversation so much. I'm glad you stepped in there and said something about that. But thank you, Matt, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Darren. Okay, man. Take care. Tell Joetta I said hi. Thank you. Have a great night. Okay. All right, good show tonight. A lot of good tips in there for you and for your loved ones. If you know someone who is suffering um, from the C word, then they have some good ammunition. And uh, I, uh, Matt's sentiments or my sentiments exactly is that you can make it through this. And just reading his book, he took a really good course of action. He didn't let anyone rush him into anything, and he had faith and he persevered to be able to move forward and to overcome what he was diagnosed with. And anybody can do it. I mean, I would recommend that you take an active involvement in your health, ask questions, ask questions, and ask more questions. A lot of us, whatever the doctor says, we just take it. We don't go and get second opinions. There's been stories that I've seen where people have been diagnosed with cancer and they didn't really have cancer. And you always have to go and just get second opinions, third opinions, fourth opinions if you need to before you can make an educated decision. So hope you enjoyed the show tonight. Next week we'll be back, same fat time, same fat channel. We'll be talking with Dr. Patel. Um, he is a chiropractor out of Toronto, Canada, and we'll be talking about mindset and functional medicine, um, just something that I'm really into and looking to kind of 
do a little bit more in the functional medicine uh, realm and get myself certified to start working with people and helping them out with uh, different kinds of ailments. So it'll be a good show um, as well. And as always, just remember that all these shows are archived. If you want to go to iTunes, you can find me. Just type in my name, Darren McDuffie, or type in Fat Man Radio with a PH, and you can download these shows and listen to them over and over again or go to blogtalkradio.com and Listen to them there um, as well. But I really like, when I started learning about all this stuff, I just really like downloading stuff to my iPad, and I would listen to it over and over again in my car until I really got it down or I really decided what course of action that I was going to take. If you have any questions for me on people that um, that about health or anything that you want to see, you can email me at Darren at Fat, that's P-H-A-T dash man, so Darren, D-A-R-R-E-N, at P-H-A-T dash man, <clears throat> excuse me, dot com. And if I can answer questions for you, I will. If I can reach out to a guest to get a question answered for you, I will as well. So, again, next week, same fat time, same fat channel. Thank you for listening. Peace and love.